Oh, hi, Scott. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Yeah, sure. So um, what we do is we inspire organisations to put well-being at the forefront of everything they do, you know, thinking that your people, your highest value asset. And so um, we deliver workshops, webinars, we do a lot of remote stuff. We do like revolutionary retreats and off-sites, um, conferences, uh, audits, a multifaceted holistic approach to well-being. not always wanted to do actually my background's actually in um, fashion for textiles that's what I did my degree in which was um, very creative so I always like kind of aspired back in the day to be uh, a designer of some kind and then through my own uh, life experience yeah life took a bit of a different turn and um, I could never really go back to that kind of field of work after um, I experienced what I did, I wanted to go into mental health um, to, to give something back, but also because I've had my own personal experience, I really understood um, mental health from such a different perspective. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we've got to walk our talk, haven't we? Um, and it's incredibly important in organisations as leaders that we're role modelling those behaviours because, you know, if we're if our culture or we're trying to, to build a culture of well-being, yet we can see our leaders aren't, you know, looking after their own well-being, that they're burning out, you know, not sleeping, you know, that's having a knock-on effect in terms of you know how people perceive but also you know showing that the importance of well-being is not really being looked at properly so it's you know crucial that we look after our own well-being and you know leaders are even under even more pressure to you know more susceptible to burnout you know lots of high stress and pressure which you know can manifest in you know, not just mental health challenges, but also physical health challenges. So it's, you know, it's incredibly important.
well, Scott, if the last two years have taught us anything at all, it's that employee well-being is most definitely not a tick box exercise anymore. It's not just a nice thing to have. You know, it's a crucial element of a happy, high-performing workforce. And as I mentioned before, you know, your people are your highest value asset. And investing in their well-being, but also cultivating that culture of well-being within your organisation should be at the top of the business agenda, especially kind of, you know, moving into 2023 and and beyond. So for the leaders out there that are listening and they might not be that convinced and need maybe a bit more evidence or think that well-being is potentially a bit of a fluffy subject and it doesn't actually impact business that much. Um, I want to give you some sort of stats, actually, because I think, you know, as leaders, we like to we like to hear some stats. We, we need to be looking at ROI you know, to, to really firm those decisions. So the latest health and safety executive summary was actually published a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you've had been have you had time to have a look at it. Um and this year this year's report well that published was for twenty one twenty two and reports a staggering thirty six point eight million working days were lost in the UK due to work related stress, depression, anxiety. And that's costing the UK economy fifty six billion pounds annually. So if that's not a big enough reason, then I don't know what is. But also, you know, there's study after study now, but there was some really interesting research from um, MIT Sloan Review that revealed nearly 81% of workers face some form of burnout or mental health issue, and that 68% of employees said that their daily work had been interrupted by having these kind of challenges. So, you know, it's very clear you know, all the research is pointing to it. But another stat is that actually one in six people, so, you know, the leaders out there listening, one in six of your employees right now are experiencing a mental health challenge at work. And this can look like, you know, chronic stress, burnout, exhaustion, and, the you know, the physical health issues that manifest along with that, absenteeism, presenteeism, staff turnover, lower productivity, you know, general, you know, dis, uh, disengagement with work. It has, you know, such a far-reaching impact. Definitely. And I was actually going to come on to that point. Um, I don't know if you know this figure. Um, I, I love figures because I think, you know, we really need to hear data because data actually drives decisions. So 85% of the global workforce is actually disengaged, actively disengaged from work. And that's, you know, product, 
activity levels are so are falling really short. Hence, why we've had we've seen this year, 2022 has been like the rising, like you say, of the Great Resignation, and now we're kind of coming into this like quiet quitting movement. You know, Gen Z and millennials aren't the only ones who are looking for more conscious employees. You know, we all are. If COVID's taught us anything, it's it's that actually we are looking for something more than you know the traditional workplace that has offered us before and you know as employers and organizations it's crucial that now we start to recognize how important it is you know not just looking at you know well-being as in mental or physical health it's about fostering positive compassionate cultures that not only support and enhance well-being but actually they um, help people you know they lay the foundations for people to reach potential because actually this is what's going to push business forward in the future you know creativity and innovation is you know, one of the founding things of businesses to move forward, particularly in economic downturns. And so if we don't have those foundations for people to flourish within our organisations, you know, we're not going to be coming up with new ideas, you know, we're not going to be innovating in the marketplace. We're going to be, you know, dragging ourselves along and, and, you know, just making it through. And I think also we need to recognise, you know, businesses we can't rely on the government to really change things I don't think you know a business needs to kind of move into you know a transitional point of like becoming sort of powerful catalysts for good in society and there's been a, a yeah and there's been a really I was going to say there's been a really good um, initiative well, not good an amazing initiative actually just Darcy called the quantum healthy longevity blueprint which was is a Lancet report has just been recently launched and their sole mission is to tackle like big real world problems within climate and health but through business Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's so many benefits. I, I like to kind of call it returns on happiness, so like the positive impact of well-being cultures and organisations. Um, you've, you've got things like four times four increased revenue, 52% attract top talent, 33% higher productivity. That's pretty huge. Um, 87% more engagement, seven times more innovation, 40% higher customer satisfaction and 21 more profitability and Deloitte research also found that for every one pound invested in employee well-being interventions employees see an average return of five pound thirty in reduced absenteeism presenteeism staff turnover so you know there's huge things but 
you know, like I say, creativity and innovation goes up, you know, healthy organizations also outperforming their peers in terms of, you know, people wanting to stay like, you know, much more likely to be identified as great places to work on Glassdoor and exceed their financial targets because people actually want to work there. Yeah. Yeah, because I think it can be a bit of a minefield, you know, where do where do you start? Like what do you do? And I think, you know, some people some organizations really get it right, others, you know, fall a bit short. And that's really because when you're cultivating a well being culture, what you need to sort of first understand are all the factors that contribute to both individual and collective well being in the workplace and how your organization's culture and working environment are either promoting, supporting and enhancing these. So, you know, well-being is so much more, like I said, than just physical or mental health. It's, it's really a multi-dimensional pursuit, which encompasses all of our psychological needs. If you just look at, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, what are those things that we actually need to fulfill our potential? You know, it's psychological safety, it's rewards and recognition, it's um, financial well-being resources, it's, you know, creativity and innovation, it's teamwork, collaboration, um, feedback, leadership is huge. You know, there's so many studies that show that, you know, positive leadership has a huge impact, but there's a lot of, you know, negative impacts of leadership that really do impact on on well-being so we really need to be kind of identifying all of those things and kind of breaking it down into pillars so you know looking at employee well-being across sort of emotional men mental physical and financial but then structuring it as in looking at our culture so you know what's our diversity and inclusion policy you know do our people feel like they belong here like what are our values are we living our values because I see a lot of this actually in organizations a misalignment of values the organizations sort of say these values but they're not actually living by them and so that that's been kind of really related to moral burnout of employees kind of you know going against their own values and and you know sort of being with being sort of fed um you know this is what we are but actually it's not being it's not you know there's no integrity and i think that that's a crucial factor um you know psychological safety which i mentioned before if you if you don't feel safe to to bring your ideas or to fail you know that you're you're not going to do your best you're going to kind of be living in fear the whole time of you know putting a step out of place and, and the effect that that actually has on you on your well-being is huge and then also like looking at job fit and alignment you know does your job actually fit you have you got those skills 
you know, are you are you kind of living up to your potential within that role? Are you kind of, you know, um, coming out of your stretch zone so that you're being challenged, not too much, but not too little, so that you, you you're kind of in that zone of genius almost in the middle. Um, and then also, I mentioned before about leadership, but people and relationships are crucial factors. You know, what's the communication like? Are you giving impactful feedback? What's teamwork, collaboration? Is your organisation siloed? You know, how is kind of like interconnections with teams working? Is, is, it, is it very separated? So they're like crucial things to look at. And then, again, about data. So it's really like evaluating, you know, speaking to your people. A lot of things we see, again, is is things being created but we're actually not speaking to employees so we're falling short because we don't actually know what the needs are of our people so we're kind of imagining you know oh yes people need xyz but actually the reality is that people generally need very different things than we think they do um i think there's some there's some key questions to ask which are Things like, you know, where do we currently excel in supporting our people and where are we struggling? Where are we falling short? Like, have we got any knowledge gaps? What are the multi-generational well-being needs of our workforce? You know, Gen Z and millennials compared to baby boomers are going to have different needs and we need to make sure that we're catering for everybody. And um, how do how have you kind of adapted and redesigned systems and practices since, you know, COVID? hybrid remote like how how is that kind of working have they been looked at have they been addressed um you know remember that remote and blended office-based cultures are going to have you know very different needs and ways of thinking when it comes to um you know embedding well-being and for remote cultures you know need to be even more intentional about how you're going to kind of structure those you know creating that culture of well-being Oh, yeah, 100%. And we see that a lot, you know, in terms of, you know, and I'm not knocking mental health first aiders, but from my perspective, I mean, I worked in mental health for 10 years. I actually don't think this is a good solution because actually what's happening is it's, you know, it's a crisis point. You know, we shouldn't be having to get to that crisis point. We should be designing cultures that are, you know, people can have open and authentic conversations where our leaders are talking about their own mental health and well-being so that it's, you know, it's normalised, like we're, we're getting rid of stigma and we're, we're able to ask for support. I think the, the, the big thing is, is also, you know, when somebody does come to you for support, you know, make sure that you really do handle that well, that you listen to that person, but that you take action to, you know, making sure that you have got 
you know, tangible steps to support that person because there's nothing worse than coming to somebody and saying, you know, I'm in crisis, I need support. And then, you know, the organisation not following through and helping that. And, and again, that's something that actually happens quite a lot because, you know, we, we, we might see lots of changes or read about it or on LinkedIn think, oh, you know, the world is changing a lot, but actually there is still a lot of stigma around mental health. And, you know, we really need to be actively like pushing through that and challenging that when we see it. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's why it's so important as leaders that we talk about our own, you know, everybody has mental health, you know, it's not, we all suffer at times, we all, and, you know, we, we need to kind of look at well-being as a spectrum too, that, you know, some days we have good days, other days we have bad days, and actually that's completely normal. And the more we can discuss that and show our own vulnerability, I think, Something that we've also really noticed that is very successful is to show vulnerability at that and have that courage to open up about challenges, but also, you know, talk about how you manage and support yourself. You know, if you have got um, a condition or, the, you know, a challenge that you're coming to work and you're, you're succeeding, it's really important that we hear those things, you know. It, it really sort of, again, normalises the fact that, everybody does struggle at times. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, when you face uncertainty, you know, sharing struggles, challenges, successes, you know, that really does build that resilience. Um, and, you know, re being able to reframe situations, you know, we, we have a team meeting or your quarterly meeting and be like, wow, you know, gosh, we've had a real tough time this quarter. You know, this has been really difficult. This has been really difficult. But, you know, we've 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 got through it in this way and really reflect, you know, some I think human beings, we, we do really forget that about looking back on what we've achieved, you know, what we've got through personally and, you know, reflecting on on the challenges but how we overcame them. And the more we can talk about that, we, we see different perspectives. And I think that really fosters the resilience within within organisations.
hugely important hugely important and and it also it's trying to kind of like i think shift again that sort of traditional narrative of like hierarchy because that really does foster um you know this kind of attitude of like i can't speak up and i can't really talk about you know maybe my challenges because i'm not really seeing anybody above me saying it and you know when we yes we might have to have hierarchy structures but if we start to just humanize ourselves even if we are the ceo and we talk about our struggles it shows that you know everybody can talk we're all the same you know from the cleaner to the ceo we're all human beings aren't we Yeah, I think this is a really, really interesting point. Um, and I kind of sort of call it like the shadow side of leadership is, you know, what we all have a responsibility to do is to become, especially as leaders, is to become as self-aware as possible and to really build our emotional intelligence. So to learn, you know, to really kind of be in tune with our own emotions, but understand how our emotions affect our team and how, you know, that has like this sort of positive or negative effect. So the more kind of in tune with our emotions we can be, you know, because we all get triggered. We're, we're only humans, you know, and if we're under more stress, we're more likely to get triggered so in terms of leadership you know you can be really de derailed you know when you're say you have a propensity when you get stressed to become quite controlling and micromanaging you've got to think about how that's impacting your team and a lot of people don't like to kind of look at those kind of aspects of themselves but I think as a leader you know the more you can do that and be more conscious about how you're showing up and you know being able to check in with yourself you know the the, the better leader you're going to be you know in a huge impact your people in a positive way um and you know recognizing that actually we all get derailed like that's a normal part of being human we all we all have you know good sides we all have bad sides it depends you know how we are on that day when we get out of bed but the more we can you know take responsibility and ownership of that i think that's a really really crucial thing that if we all were a little bit more kind of humble that um, and we showed that you know we we acknowledged when we when we do maybe behave um 
in a little bit of kind of an out way we we take we own up to it and we say sorry and you know we we take responsibility i think you know that's the way forward and a lot of leaders you know they especially younger leaders they end up in those positions because they've been really good at their job but they're not necessarily good people people you know because they haven't necessarily had that training so again it's about you know if we're putting people in leadership roles as an organization you know what training are we giving them have they got the right mindset and skills that they need to lead well and impact their people positively um you know because these are key factors in cultivating healthy and inclusive working environments Um, well, that's a great question. Well, what I'd like to see firstly, and I, you know, this is really, really difficult because I think the first thing that tends to get cut in terms of budgets around well-being, but what I'd really like to kind of advise leaders is to really prioritise, you know, well-being budgets because if you're if you're cutting that and you're not looking after your people, that is really going to impact. You know the success of your business i think long term you know your brand reputation it will, will be you know really affected by that i think for the wellness revolution really helping organizations look at different avenues for well-being creativity is a huge thing and when we're actually being more creative, you know, maybe not in the traditional sense of painting and drawing, we're actually using a different part of our brain, which makes us more resilient to stress. So how can we factor in more time to be creative with our team? You know, what tech can we use to encourage more creativity? Um, we have like a winning from home program, which is kind of all based on things that can really help people, you know, work better in terms of, you know, looking at things like perfectionism is a huge thing that really affects so many people. 
particularly I would say in the last year with with um, the response to the trauma response to COVID is like a way of kind of like managing stress about being you know being perfect and I think leaders have a, a, a big thing with that too so you know teaching and educating people around these things you know how they can work better um, you know not just performing better feeling better and we're really looking at you know experience design like helping organizations to to design winning programs that are, are going to like leave a legacy long after we've gone you know that that's really what our mission is Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, I'd love to come back on, Scott. Yeah, anytime. <laughs>